More names are announced for the number one contender tournament. Cody wins the TNT title, and we celebrate 30 years of Le Champion. And more in this week's review of AEW Dynamite. So, uh, unlike last week, I'm going at it alone for this one because Blake was not available and also I did not ask him. And also, I'm sorry if you hear the noise of the 3D printer once again. I swear I'll I'll stop 3D printing stuff one day. But yes, as I stated uh, before, this was the 30th anniversary show uh, for Chris Jericho. It's his 30th year in professional wrestling. They wanted to celebrate this. I I thought it was weird to do this right before the one-year anniversary next week and to be honest other than a few video packages and commentary it didn't feel that much like a jericho based show which i'm sure jericho had wanted but i wanted something differently which is why this monday i would like to announce the reintroduction of how to fix the show where i take things in wrestling i don't like and make them better and i'm going to be doing it on the 30th anniversary of Jericho episode of AEW Dynamite because I love Chris Jericho and I wish this was a better tribute because it really wasn't. Uh, Now, I will say the opening was really nice. It was genuine, non-kayfabe interviews with all the younger guys coming out. You had the best friends talking about him. uh, Guevara, Hager, uh, all the Inner Circle guys, obviously, Scorpio Sky, all of them talking about how Jericho influenced them and uh, just through everything he's done. Because I love Chris Jericho and he has done so much. The only problem I found was when they were were having to talk about, like, what's your favorite Chris Jericho memory? And you could tell they wanted to be like, oh, the night he beat Stone Cold and The Rock in the same night. But they had to relegate it to AEW memories. But it was a nice opening. I really liked it. And then... Big boy Hoss match, Hobbs versus Cage. And I like that this match happened right after Raw, right after we had Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee, because I I actively on the show was like, this was bad. And I didn't really have a descriptor of what it was missing. Now I do, because with Hobbs and Cage, yes, they're big men. Yes, they move around a lot. But there was weight to everything they were doing. You could feel these were two big forces of nature coming together. And I just didn't feel that uh, during Strowman and Lee. But this was great. Brian Cage is so good in the ring. Even like Hobbs came out looking like a star. Bryce Remsburg was my favorite referee in the world. He was the best for this because you could see him actively reacting to the punches. It was great. And I'll be honest, there was a moment I thought Hobbs had him beat. He hit the last will and testament, went for the pin, and I said, holy shit, Hobbs just beat Brian Cage. But no, Brian comes back. Hits him with the drill claw, one, two, three. Really, really good opener and also featured my favorite line of the night, which is from Taz because Excalibur was like, well, Hobbs benches 475 pounds and Taz just immediately, well, Cage benches 476. It was so dumb. It was the perfect thing. And then I will be honest, I thought Hobbs was going to turn heel because Taz gets on the microphone and says, you got two options. You can either join Team Taz or we're going to beat you up. And then before he could even answer, 
Darby Allen comes out and scares off Team Taz. And I was like, is Hobbs about to attack Darby from behind? But nope, it was just a nice little preview because Darby's gonna keep feuding with Team Taz, I guess, even though he probably needs even better stuff. Uh, Then we get some celebrities talking about Jericho being cool. This was my favorite segment because it had his dad, and that was very sweet. Oh, and also, Tanahashi! Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan wrestling, finally appears on AEW. It was just to talk about how cool Chris Jericho was, but it just made me very happy. Then we get a promo from Lance Archer and... Man, I don't know. I know a lot of people like Lance Archer, but to me, he's just like a human version of the Harley Davidson store. I just, I can't get behind him. He's talking about, I'm gonna beat you up, Moxley, and that was it. I do like that they're incorporating their New Japan rivalry, but outside of it, very base promo from Lance. And now we get another moment of greatness between TH2, the Hybrid 2, and FTR. Um, During this, I realized that TH2's music sucks, but outside of this, this was actually a really, really good match. Uh, I've realized that I wasn't able to get into FTR, and now I've realized the beauty of FTR, and it's the fact that FTR are good because they can make whoever they're working with look like a million bucks. Like, And what I liked about this was the fact that you got a different kind of match. You're not getting that SCU match from last time, even though it is focusing on FTR. This one seemed more high-flying. This seemed more uh, almost cowardly heel maneuvers on the part of FTR. I will say the most violent thing happened during the commercial break, and it's when they put Jack Evans in the trio woe and just started beating the shit out of his knee. It was absolutely vicious. I'll be honest, I was nervous about this match because they are two drastically different teams, but I did, I, did, I was like, I, well, they worked well together, but they did. Uh, almost like the Young Bucks versus Red Dragon, a real technical team versus more high flyers. It worked really, really well. Um, there was a few weird botched spots near the end, but outside of it, it was, it was a good match. Uh, the only weird spot for me was the superplex into a splash from FTR was the win. And then JR was like, that finisher was directed towards the Young Bucks. Okay. Why? Because it was a high spot, I guess. Like, it was so weird because, like, they were facing high flyers. I, I just, I don't understand. It was very, very bizarre. And then we get a promo from the Bucks in the back who are actually watching the match. And this was great because they just look at the cameraman and they're like, Someone been spying on us, and then they super kick him, and then go off to get money to pay for the fine. I I love what the Bucks are doing lately because they're not oversaturating the show with themselves, but they are still enough to be a presence. So it's really really fun what the Bucks are doing. And so now we get back to the ring. FTR are sitting there actually watching the Bucks, and then a shot of them in hot dog costumes come up. And the crowd begins to chant weenies as the best friends come out, scream that they're weenies. It's absolutely great. And set up for the anniversary show, Best Friends versus FTR for the anniversary show for the AEW Tag Team titles. I'm super excited for this. I wish they didn't pull the trigger on it this early. I kind of wish they had held off and done this at full gear. But yeah, it's whatever. And now we get a promo from good old Maxwell Jacob Friedman about Chris Jericho, which seemed partly kayfabe and partly MJ. 
MJF'd, which was very, very good, um, and is just setting up the rivalry. I'm excited, and if you listen to Fight Boys, you know me and Blake are both very excited about this heel versus heel rivalry. Then some celebrities, including Shaquille O'Neal, talk about Chris Jericho, and we are told that up next is Cody versus Lee for the TNT title in a dog collar match. This match made me so mad in numerous ways uh cody his entrance is always badass i love cody but his matches can be occasionally rough and this was definitely one of them because like in the beginning i thought like oh it's a 16 foot long chain that's good because that allows for more movement around the ring you can get further away from your opponent you can do bigger dives bigger shocks stuff like that and then just everyone bladed everyone was tripping over the chain like people who weren't in the match were blading like john silver bladed cody bladed lee bladed um i don't know what it is about cody with dark hair but he seems less like a star to me i don't know i guess it's because blonde cody is a direct separation from who he was in wwe not saying that he wasn't a great guy in wwe but like there's too many comparisons now. Uh, the most buckwild thing in the match to me was the fact that they did a spot. They set up a table on the outside, and Cody gave Lee a package pile driver through it, which is a vicious spot. And they did it during the commercial break. Like, I'm sitting there watching a Papa John's commercial, then up the corner of my eye, I'm like, oh, but Brody Lee is dead now. That is when Brody started bloodying. It was really, really rough. And I, I realized, like, the problem I had with this match was this, and it's the fact that a dog collar match needs to be vicious. It needs to seem like a real shoot fight, and this had too many of the trappings of pro wrestling. Like when Brody was setting up for the lariat at the end, like he's holding out his forearm, like, I'm gonna do it to him, and I'm like, no, no. That's not what you do. You just need to beat the living hell out of each other. Um, Brody yeeted a chair at Arn, which was great. Then Arn got in the ring, spine busted a member of the Dark Order, but then got punched in the gut. It was just, so, and then they kept tripping over stuff. Like Brody went for a super kick, tripped on the chain, and fell. And then you could see them like kicking their legs, trying to get untangled from the chain. Uh, the most, uh, one of my favorite spots from the match, though, was Cody actually taking the chain and choking Brody out, and as you did, you saw the blood pouring out of the wound. It was real grotesque. And then, near the end of the match, Cody wraps the chain around Brody's head three times, punches him in the skull with it, and then picks him up, crossroads, one, two, three, Cody is the TNT champion again, and I'm just like, y'all better have a fucking good reason for this, because I just, I don't like titles returning, especially in, like, the early years of a company. I don't like titles returning back to where they were. You need to keep building new stars and keep moving forward, and this feels like a step back for me. Also, it felt weird that earlier in the match, Brody literally kicked out of the crossroads at zero, not even a one count, at zero, and yet... This final crossroads actually put him down. I don't know. Cody was focused. Like, Cody had one thing in this match, and it was wrapping his hand with the steel chain. And that was it. That was all Cody really did. Uh, it was not a quality match. I did not like it at all. It really... I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest. It soured me on the rest of the show. Uh, Tony Schiavone comes out and interviews Cody. And Cody basically says, Everyone thought I was gonna be a heel when I came back, but nope. 
I'm a baby face. I work for you. And next week, I'm going to give you a title match. At which point, Orange Cassidy steps up and accepts a title match opportunity. Uh, motherfucker, I love you, Orange Cassidy. You got a title match like three weeks ago. Give anyone else an opportunity. Anyone else a shot at this point. Because as of right now, Cody Rhodes had to go film a television show. And then when he came back, said, okay, I'll just have the title back. No big deal. Like, it it was asinine. And the fact that he was showing so much character growth of, like, the new evil skull and the new look and all of this. And granted, he may turn heel next week or do something fun next week. But to have all this character growth and then just say, nope, I'm just same old Cody, it really irked me. But like I said, maybe next week this is all part of a plan, but I feel like if there was a plan, tonight was the night to execute it. Because next week is the anniversary show where you're going to want to do a lot more shit. Then we get informed that the eight-man tournament to become number one contender to the championship has three more men added. Uh, Phoenix, Omega, and Jungle Boy were added last week. And then this week, we get Wardlow, Colt Cabana, and Hangman Page. I have no idea who the last two are going to be, but fuck, they better impress. Because right now, this tournament reads as Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and four people who are not fucking winning the tournament. It's buck wild. Uh, So then we get a promo from Kenny... And uh, I don't know what it is about Kenny. When Kenny gets to act over the top and very, let us cut a promo. He's phenomenal. But when he's trying to put on this like natural acting character for AEW, it just sucks. He's a, he's a little nerd. And uh, uh, the best part of the promo is when some, when uh, the interviewer, I can't remember who it was brought up like, Oh yeah. Hangman page, your tag team partner is going to be in it. And then, Kenny immediately like dissed Hangman. He's like, oh yeah, tag team guys can be in the tournament too. It was just a weird promo. I wasn't a fan. I was also still really soured after Cody. Uh, we go to the ring for Big Swole versus Serena. It was a two-segment match. It went really long. I really enjoyed it. Serena is phenomenal. Um, she's really impressive. Now I understand why they gave her that first match against Thunder Rosa. The ending was a little bit sudden it seemed like a little bit rushed but i i loved it like serena was cutting off swole all the time with technical prowess and this match showed that big swole isn't just a powerhouse she can put on technical things like that so it was a good match now we get what i describe as the moxley cowboy promo where moxley's just walking through the desert and drinking whiskey and look i love moxley but he should have lost the title to mjf because ever since I don't know what they're doing. Like, it's, okay, he's going to feud with this guy. Okay, he's going to feud with Lance Archer. Oh, wait, no, he's going to feud with Kingston. Or well, Meanwhile, if you had done a MJF, you could have had Omega beat him. You could have even had Hangman beat him. You could have had a, a lot of really fun stuff happen with MJF as champion. And Mox's promo was bizarre because he's like, I'm facing Lance Archer and it's going to be tough. Last time I uh, last time I fought him, I didn't know if I was going to leave with my teeth in my head, my head on my shoulders, which was a great line. But then he's like, when we get in the ring, I might lose. I might win. I don't know. Whiskey. Fuck. I'm a tough guy. Whatever. And then take a shot of whiskey. It was a really weird promo. Not a lot of fire. Not a lot of confidence. It's starting to feel like how Moxley was in his last days at WWE. Just not exactly as excited about what's going on right now. Um, I, 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 Yeah, it, it was a weird promo. But now 
we get the main event jericho and hager versus chaos project um also before they did this they did the last round of celebrity congratulations and the weirdest one was lance storm i really wish lance could have been there live just because i know their history in fact i uh i'm fairly sure lance is fully retired but i wish this could have been jericho versus lance storm because that works and this is getting into a little bit of what i'm going to talk about next week on how to fix but i understand jericho grew up with luther and i understand they have a big connection but to the audience as a whole we don't see it we've never seen it not as characters not on television not at all do we see the connection between these two characters and why this would be the match we don't understand the impetus behind it the importance of it so it was a bizarre choice um i will say I'm not gonna lie, I was singing along with Judas in the opening because I was really fucking pumped for it. And also, the best part of this match was not the match, it was the fact that apparently Miro and fucking Kip Sabian have an arcade cabinet at ringside, and that's phenomenal. That was great. Uh, Chris Jericho has EVH on his shoulder paying tribute to Eddie Van Halen who recently passed away, which meant a lot to me. It, it just seemed like such a weird celebration episode for Jericho. Luther seemed really rough, really shaky at points. Like There were moments when he was climbing on top ropes where I'm like, D- don't die. Are you okay? You good, fam? Are you alright, Luther? And so, yeah, uh, hits him with the Judas effect. Match ends. It was rough. Here we go. And now we get Jericho starting a very genuine promo, like 30 years. I've been doing this for 30 years. And then... MJF came out. And I will be honest, I was already pre-booking my how to fix what I would do for this episode during the match. Because I just didn't care about it that much. And I said, at the end of the show, MJF comes out. And then MJF came out and went... Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. That's exactly what I wanted. He brought out a clown to give to Jericho. He's like, look, it's Judas the clown or whatever. And then uh, the clown gave him a massive portrait of Max, which was hilarious. He takes the portrait, smashes it over the clown's head, gives the clown the best Judas effect Jericho has ever given. And then, of course, he and MJF have tension and then they laugh it off and max says i'm going to be making a career altering announcement next week which is probably going to involve jericho and the uh and the inner circle he may join them maybe try to take over the inner circle i don't know uh but i i will be honest this is why i'm like cody should have turned heel today Either that or MJF should have not turned heel, but turned on Jericho today. This was the Avengers Age of Ultron of AEW episodes. It was just some pretty good stuff, but all of the storylines seemed halted in favor of them saying, like, you gotta tune in next week to see MJF uh, turn on Jericho. If you want to see Cody do some diabolical shit, you gotta tune in to next week. And I'm like, just do one now. You don't have to, like, separate it out or anything like that. Like, give it to us now. This is still a big day. This is Chris Jericho. Hell, that's why I'm like, MJF should have turned tonight, because it's Chris Jericho's big night. What better heel heat than to take out Jericho on his big night, on his celebration? But I will say, I love what they did instead, because some fucking full house style-ass music came on, and then credits came on the screen like it was a sitcom, and then it was like, directed by Chris Jericho, written by Chris Jericho, and every job was 
was done by Chris Jericho. It was uh, adorable. It was a fun ending. It was a very Jericho ending. It just wasn't a very Jericho episode, and that's what makes me really upset. They could have done a, a lot more, and we will talk about that next Monday, so tune in for that. Subscribe for that, even. But... As always, we have to give it a score. Is this all elite? Is it mostly elite? Somewhat elite? A little elite or not elite? And for me, I gotta say just somewhat elite. Like, I I, I feel like they could have done so much more to draw people in. This seemed like a real holding pattern kind of episode. And I don't know. I, I'm excited to check out NXT because of what I've read happened on that. So tune in for that review tomorrow. But for now, as always, make sure to subscribe, make sure to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash a load of BS, and to follow me on Twitter at Scotty Mo to, to yell at me about my bad takes about Jericho's episode of AEW. And as always, remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boy Show, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life.